Hey, Matt here, and welcome to the Gringo Guava Podcast. I'm a 23-year-old college student who loves hearing whatever word people use for foreigner. Right now, I'm based in Thailand, working on political science research. Come along with me and see how the Gringo Guava travels. So right now um, is going to be my last couple weeks in Thailand, um, my last week in Chiang Mai, kind of some of the last things that we did there, and then we had a week in Bangkok to see the sights there. Flying out, my conclusion of my study abroad in Thailand, the end, and um, let me know how you guys like it. Please enjoy. So my last week in Chiang Mai was really, really busy. Um, we didn't have as much time to do like travel-y touristy stuff. Um, it was mostly class stuff. We went and did, um, we had some final projects to turn in. We started getting our, our data back from the pilot survey that we did, that we sent out and sat down. We had our final and, you know, that was kind of stressful this week. So there's not as much stuff that I did. Um, but one really cool thing that I did get to do that last week was I went to see Toy Story 4, which was awesome. And this is just kind of a funny story about how I went with my friend Soraya, who is Chinese-American and also really likes Pixar. And then as I was trying to do my professor solid, I was like, hey, we can take Caden, who's his, you know, his young son, to see this movie. And we went and picked him up, and he was very relieved that we were taking him. Um... But we were walking around, and at one point, we were walking around the mall, and each of, me and Sarai were each holding, like, one of his hands. And just for context, this kid is, like, um, his mom's Laotian, his dad is half Thai, half British. So he looks Asian, for the most part, but, like, a little bit mixed. Um, and I just realized, like, oh, dang, this part looks like we're a family right now. Because this kid is, like, four or five, and I was just thinking, like, you know, I look old permanently, uh, and I was like, dang, this kid could have been my kid, that's weird, um, and of course, Soraya thought that was super weird, but that's just like a funny story, and this week was just a lot of that, a lot of hanging out, going to my favorite spots, some of the cafes, some of the restaurants, and just the places that I've been going a lot, and it was weird to feel like so, like this schedule and this routine there, where like I knew, um, like a lot of different spots that that we all like to go to and hang out at and get food at and even some of the ones that we had been to a lot like this one mall that we went to just a ton I'm feeling like kind of tired of it and going out and doing like other malls because we spent you know months at this one mall um and yeah just hanging out um and then that Friday before we went to Bangkok we had a a dinner and karaoke sesh and then after that, I actually went, did a little bit of dancing. Um, it was hard. No one else ever wanted to really go, like, dancing with me, so had to go by myself. But, hey, that's okay. You Sometimes you got to have fun. I've talked about this, like, many times. If people are holding you back, just go. Go have fun. People aren't going to be, like, mad at you for going without them, obviously. Um, and then that Saturday, I went and... So I played Magic the Gathering, and I went to a... I had been to this card game store, like once or twice to check it out and I went again to do um just play magic do an event that they had and there was like let me think there was a French guy there's another American guy and then there was like three other Thai people that we played with 
and then we did like this six person kind of event and it was just cool to be able to be there and have this like community that was there. This is something that I felt with like going to church. There's just people there that have like the same interests. For, with church, it's kind of like more like the same values as you and understand some of the same things that you're like talking about. But then with like magic, it was this thing where it's like people that have like the same interest in you. And there was just little um, jokes that we were bringing up and stuff and being able to play and hang out with these guys was cool and make this like intercultural connection. And I actually had so much fun that I went back the next day, brought my roommate Eldon with me to play a little bit of magic and had a really good time. That was it in Chiang Mai. Uh, the next day, flew to Bangkok. Last time in that Chiang Mai airport. Um, Chiang Mai was amazing. I'm really gonna miss it. Um, if you get a chance to go to Chiang Mai, ever do it. I honestly, I met so many expats when I was there and I really could see why they were living there, you know, for extended period of time, the years and years people living there because it's just such a perfect city to be in. It's so fun. The people are so nice. There's no like gigantic, crazy, like bustling metropolis anywhere, but it's definitely not like a small rural place. It's super easy to get around and just has like all the best stuff. Loved it. So after Chiang Mai, we headed off to Bangkok. We got off the plane, um, took a taxi there, and wound up just the first day. Um, we, we had to drop, drop off our luggage but couldn't like check in, so we wound up just going to this temple that was really close. And even just the difference from Chiang Mai to Bangkok. It was funny. We got there and some people like didn't want to pay like the dollar to like go in because um, we've seen a lot of temples. But one thing I realized is like when you've seen so many temples, you get to this point where you notice the differences more. The more exposure you have to temples, the more you notice the differences between them and you can like appreciate them more. Like this temple was, I mean, I can't really like quantify it, but it definitely had a more uh, like palace kind of feel to it. Kind of like Bangkok is like the OG, like royal city. So it just had a different vibe. And there was some more stuff set up and like not in the temple itself, but like within the grounds, there's a little thing that was like set up to the king, which you saw a ton in Chiang Mai granted, but just like a little more prominently than you did. So hit up another Watt and then went back. Um, this week was a lot of like hanging out at the hotel, um, at the pool. We were just tired and kind of like decompressing, but we did get to see like a lot of really cool stuff. One of the first nights we tried to go clubbing but it was the start of Buddhist Lent right around then. So there was this na whole national ban on selling alcohol. So all the clubs were closed because, you know, that's how they make, like, most of their money. I mean, we didn't care. But so we couldn't go do that, um, which is kind of funny. But we went to this burger place across the street called Daniel Tiger. But it's spelled like Thai, like Thailand. And it was this amazing burger place. I was so surprised by how good of a burger it was because obviously, like, that's not, like, a staple food here <laughs> like it is in America. But it was just delicious. Maybe, actually, it had, like, baking ground into it. It was just amazing. Maybe one of the... It probably... It's been the best burger probably I've had so far this year. And then, because we couldn't go clubbing, we went to... Um, this tower that was kind of close called Bayoke Tower, which was the tallest tower um, in, like, most, since it was built in the early 90s, like, all the way through, like, the 2000s. Um, and then just in the last couple of years, they've started to build, like, skyscrapers again. 
really tall stuff. Um, it was kind of interesting to see that how this was an older skyscraper and it was in a part of town that like a lot of the economic focus has moved to like other areas. So in the base kind of around this tower, like there was actually like, a lot of like street markets and kind of stuff and wasn't like super um, metropolitan or like cosmopolitan, like whatever you want to say it, not super modern, like modernized, but not like gleaming, glistening, um, like certain parts of Bangkok were. Um, but we went to the top and this one was really cool because they actually had this thing where you could walk out and there's this thing that would rotate like around the building and you could stand and like see everything and it was like open air but then with like obviously like gate like a big gate thing to like keep you from like falling or anything but that was cool to see all the you know Bangkok lights and stuff and um, it being Buddhist Lent, we got a free drink with our ticket up to the observation deck, and they didn't even offer to make us an alcoholic drink, it being a Buddhist Lent. I tried to order a virgin margarita because one of my friend's mom made that when I was like 12 for me, and it was delicious. And then the lady was like, no, we can't do that. Like, that's going to be disgusting because like, and I guess I don't really know what like a margarita is even because she wouldn't serve me one. So um, that was interesting. She was like, it's mostly just tequila, so that's not going to work. So I don't know what my friend's mom served me that, like, lovely, like, lime slush way back in the day. But so that tower was really cool. And then the next day, we went actually with our professor and did a little trip. We went to Ayutthaya. So it was um, just like an hour or two north of Bangkok. And Ayutthaya was the capital up until the 1700s when... King Taksin, I'm sure I'm saying that wrong, moved it from there to um, basically Bangkok. And it's been there ever since. But Ayutthaya was the capital for a long, long time. During most of um, conflicts with colonial po powers, most of the time the capital was Ayutthaya. And even, now, even since the capital moved, they've still used um, Ayutthaya and like, the palaces there as like summer palaces. Um, but really the height of that was in like the 1800s when they were still in use. Now it's very just like a museum and stuff that you can go see and see like some like royal artifacts. So it had a very like Victorian feel where there was just like these gardens and like fountains and moats and stuff and got to ride around in golf carts and see everything and that was fun. And then we went to a Japanese museum because Ayutthaya had a very, very large Japanese community back in the day, and they have a museum to like document that and document the presence of Japanese culture in Thailand. It was interesting the way that we see, you know, Thailand as this like very homogenous country, but it really has a lot of diversity. I mean, there's the native Thai people, like TAI is what it was like a long time ago. It's kind of changed, but because they've like unified groups, but there's um, more Laotian groups. There's um, very there's a lot of Chinese descendants, and there's been Chinese immigration in the last two centuries. There's been Japanese people there for a long time trading. There's been like a Portuguese community there, um, and then it used to be really big way back in like the 1700s and 1800s, and obviously like isn't a very big influence today. But there's just been like it was really a hub for so long. Um, 
So it was interesting to see that kind of previous peak exemplified in the Japanese museum, how it was like a mecca kind of for Southeast Asia and still is in a lot of ways, but just kind of different. Um, and then the next day, I linked up with my homie Soraya again, and we went to this aquarium in a mall. This was bizarre. It was like this massive, massive mall. It was like a whole like city block, but then like underneath it was an aquarium that just, I don't know how deep it went. It was strange to me because I felt like I was in like, had started at the top of a really tall building and like worked my way down, but I think most of it was underground. Um, yeah. Pretty solid um, aquarium there. Apparently, it's like the biggest in Southeast Asia, so that was cool. Um, and in this massive mall, they also had a Taco Bell. So I got my tacos, which you know is important for a growing man child. Um, and that night, I also linked up with my Hong Kong homie Leah. Um, I found a game store like across the street from where we were, of course, and we went and played this game, um, just a card game there that I really like. Um, it was like a variation of Star Realms called Hero Realms, which was really fun. Random tidbit, but that was also fun. I love me, love me and my games. Um, and then the next day we went to the Royal Palace and saw just, ooh, saw some really cool stuff. Um, we saw the Emerald Buddha, which I found out researching again for this podcast is not actually emerald. That just refers to the color. It's actually like a, a semi-precious green stone they haven't really done any testing to de determine like exactly what it is but it's not emerald but that was cool um the temple surrounding the emerald buddha is just massive and there's so much gold it'll just blow your freaking mind um because the emerald buddha serves this really important place as like a net like a religious symbol of thailand and a kind of a symbol of protection and it's actually researching it's it was in Laos for a while and in Cambodia for a bit and during different wars just like people would take it because it was like kind of like the Ark of the Covenant in a way where it had uh, mystical powers of, uh, ascribed to it and people would just yeah always trying to get thirsty for that uh, Emerald Buddha and so that was cool to see and then the the palace itself was just massive and super cool. Um, some of the murals were interesting. We did, had no idea like what was going on with like a lot of them. Like there was a dude whose tongue like came out of his mouth and then enveloped like eleven people, and that was kind of interesting. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we did that, and then right close to there, they had a temple that was for the largest reclining Buddha in the world. So. The reclining Buddha, you've probably seen it, is up on its, like, elbow. Um, it looks like it's resting, but that's not actually what it means. What the reclining Buddha is, we learned this in one of our classes, is meant to represent the Buddha after he's died. And so his physical body is dead, but after... So in the moment that he died is when he, like, reached nirvana, right? But, you know, the kind of artistic tradition has been, like, not to represent, like dead Buddha because it was like disrespectful and so they show him reclining to show that like oh like it's a very interesting like symbolic take on um that you know because in the west we're very easily like yeah this is like Jesus being entombed right 
but for them that would be like very disrespectful so they just show him reclining and even with like his eyes open but this thing was massive this thing was like a football field in length or i don't know exactly i can't remember um let me look it up so i looked it up it, he was 15 meters high and 46 meters long so not a full football field basically like half of a football field but for a statue like that is insane it was so big um but really cool to just look at um the style of art with the buddha is always very interesting because it's not always there's these things that just seem interesting about the buddha and it's because there's these specific things that they always depict in art with the buddha like he has very long fingers his proportions are kind of different which are meant to symbolize the fact that he's like a chosen person and so we went through there, um, and then after that we went to included with their admission to the royal palace and the that surrounding site. There was this um, theater that we went to and got to see this mask dance um, performance that was like you know had like a narrative and stuff and um, kind of confusing for us, but it was very very cool. And then we went to see um, the democracy monument too um, because we had like studied about democracy so much and it was an important it was the a site that was important in the democratic revolution when they overthrew the king um and then yeah that last day we also had a really cool dinner again with the professor and his family and then we went to see this show that was in this just mass massive theater um and just a show talking about different parts of Thai history, different regions in Thailand, um, different dances, and some really interesting like parts of Buddhist, Thai Buddhist um, like theology. Like they showed like what hell was gonna be like for people to just kind of showcase that, and that was kind of scary, but also interesting. Um, but it was just yeah, this big like spectacle that was fun, and that was one of the last things. After that, I actually went out. Um, I was not going to leave Bangkok without going to a club, so I went to a club for a little bit alone, again, <laughs> um, but that's okay, um, and that was fun. Um, I always, it always happens to me where like I feel like I'm that kind of like that stereotypical like person at the club that's like, I'm just here to dance, okay, I'm here to have fun. I don't need you like grinding up on me right now, inebriated, but it was still a good time, um, and then yeah. And, and that was when we came to Bangkok, and after that, flew on to Malaysia and other adventures, but that was the last time I was in Thailand. Hey, Gringo Guavas. If you really enjoy this podcast, check out my Instagram page. It's at the Gringo Guava, just the name of my podcast. There I post pictures from my travels. I have fun stories about what I'm doing, and it's also a great way to be able to interact with me and the podcast. So check that out. So just to wrap up my time in Thailand, I also want to talk about the last book that we read, which was called Four Rains. Um, this was a while ago, and it was very long, so I don't remember all of it. But basically, it depicted the life of this young girl named Ploi, who, and her life, she was kind of like a courtesan, and in the courts, and how she observed the, um, the different kings in her lifetime. So starting with King Chula Longkorn, and it went all the way up to two kings before the current one, King Mahidon, whose brother Bumidon was the ruler for a long, long time, who was like the ruler when the book got published, but kind of took Thailand. So this time period was really interesting because it took Thailand 
from basically into the modern era. This is when so so much stuff started getting modernized. Trula Longhorn is mostly well known because he was kind of the king that stopped stemmed the tide of like colonialism. And if you know this, you might know this. Um, Thailand's one of the only countries, even in the world, that has never been colonized by European powers. It's the only one in Asia besides Japan and Korea that ha have not been colonized by European powers. And even like Korea basically got colonized by Japan at one point. But Thailand managed to um, retain its independence. But throughout the book, you could still see like, even though it was never politically like formally like colonized, you see kind of like what you might call like cultural colonization, where different ideas and stuff were coming in and changing the world around her, even just small stuff like, you know, like um, drinking became more popular among like high society and how that affected her relationship with her husband and random things like that. So this sweeping period of changes in Thai society seen through like a multi-generational viewpoint through her and her children as she saw what was happening um, with her children and some of them went away to study and would come back and marry western girls and things like that and for me the big theme of it well one of the big things had to do with like that influence of the king and this book was kind of hard for me because there were parts where they were they're very flaunting of their king. They love their king in Thailand. Um, and while I was in Thailand, I can't really say anything because they have laws against it to criticize the king. But now that I'm here in Myanmar, I'm a little bit safer. I just, and part of this is like coming from like a Western mentality, but from all the stuff that we, we've studied about Thailand, I think that part of the reason why Thailand has had a hard time democratizing in like basically like the last hundred years or so, um, is because of that influence of the king that there is this tradition of like totalitarianism here. And sometimes it's been benevolent. For the most part, this dynasty has been benevolent. But even in the last, you know, 50 years or so, there's been times where the king has been like, kind of ordered the military to like stage a coup and then the military takes power. The king himself like will never take power, but is involved in these like backroom dealings, but maintains a face that's very... Um, very popular and very nice looking on the outside, but I think that there's stuff with that that just was hard for me to read about because um, I just like disagreed with kind of like the tone of the book. But also another interesting thing as it tied into like our travels was this struggle that the main character had with seeing like traditional ways of life being displaced by the modern world. And in Bangkok, this was so apparent. Um, when we went to Ayutthaya, saw some of the old stuff and then you see and then you come in to Bangkok and you see one thing that was interesting for me when we talk about the changing from like traditional Thai society to like the modern day not all of that like um modernization right now is coming from the west a lot of it you saw so many ads that were um for Samsung you know which is like a South Korean brand and with K-pop stars representing them and China and Japan. And they're kind of wanting to model themselves after these other very, very powerful, successful Asian countries. And so it's not just America, but just some of that is being like slowly like chipped away um, within Thailand. But I will say that 
in my experience, Thai society is still very, very strong. The food, the culture, the people in Thailand are just so kind. You know, they call it the land of mini smiles is one of its nicknames. And it really was. Thai people were so friendly. That was one thing that every time we would go somewhere and come back to Thailand, I was always just blown away at how nice people were. Because I got used to it, and then I'd go to Vietnam, and people were like a little bit ruder, or like Hong Kong, or people, it's not maybe rude, but they're just like very fast-paced way of life, and aren't as like considered. But in Thailand, everyone's just so, so nice. And Thailand just has this long, long history that's magnificent, you know? And I think that that's something that we, that we don't realize, is that, you know, America's only been around, really, like, since 1776 as, like, a major player on, like, the world stage. I think that there's parts of our own history from before that and before, like, colonialism that has been lost and destroyed. But that part of America, like, white America, has only been around for that, not, not, not that long and, like, Europe has, like, a long, like, history, but so does, like, Thailand. Like, there was stuff that we learned in our class going back just so, so long. And Thailand has been through so much and has such a rich, diverse culture to, like, sink your teeth into. And being able to spend three months there was one of, like, the coolest blessings that I've had. Um, I think that I saw in my host family and... Even in this book that we read was the importance of family. And for Thai people, family is so important. And that was a cool thing about, I think, the monarchy is that, you know, that revolves around, like, family too in, like, a, a kind of different way. But also, like, is a model in certain ways of, like, how important to them, like, almost like a father figure is. And for them, you know, that is so important. And I just... Loved my time in Thailand. Flying out was bittersweet, you know. I was excited for all the other opportunities um, that I've been able to have here. I've been here in Myanmar and get to hear about this and like future podcasts and the stuff. But I really just loved Thailand, and I feel like I'm just sound like a broken record. But it was dope, guys. I really hope to be able to come back here at some point. It would be cool. Um, Right now, as I'm recording this, I'm kind of coming up on my last couple of days here in Asia. I'm, it's Monday, and I leave Myanmar on Friday. Then I got two days in Singapore, and then I fly out next Monday for home. And I'm going to miss it. There's things I miss about home, but there's a lot of things that I'm going to miss here. Just the way that people are, the way that life kind of runs is pretty great. And yeah, that was my time in Thailand, guys. So... Look forward to more podcasts in the future. Um, please let me know what you think on Instagram, Facebook. If you can send me a message into the podcast, I'd love to feature it in like a future episode. You can use the Anchor app for that. But Kop um, Kap. Since this was my last podcast about my study abroad in Thailand, I just want to thank the people that made it so amazing. First off, my roommate Eldon, my boys Adam and Nathan, and my other amazing classmates Amber, Audrey, Jacqueline, Leah. Marisa, Megan, Soraya, my host family who housed me and fed me, and most my parents who helped me out financially and emotionally supported me through this whole thing and um, encouraged me to pursue this. And most of all, the guy who made it all possible, Dr. Joel Selway, 
BYU professor and his family. If you ever get an opportunity to take a class from this man or work for him, definitely do it. It will be well worth your time. Thanks to all of you guys for making this summer so great and for all the amazing experiences that I had in my time in Thailand. Mm -hmm.